We might as well record all this. Yeah. So our editor's name is Brandon. Everybody say, hi, Brandon. Hi, Brandon. Brandon makes us sound smart, which is a heck of a lot of work. Like, not an easy thing to do. He turns down the suck and turns up the awesome. That's the secret to a good-sounding podcast. That's it. Yeah. It's yeah. All, all in the editor, 100%. He's helped us for a long time. He's also edited every single one of the Run As Radios, 850 of them. Wow. No kidding. Yeah. He's my friend, and I trust him with my work, and he does an amazing job. How are you all doing? <laughs> Good conference, right? Yeah. Let's give it up for Chad. Chad Green. Oh, you know what else? We have a birthday today. We do. Yeah, yeah. Mike. Uh, is is it Mike Richardson's birthday? Where's really? Mike? Is Mike here? Mike Richardson, where are you? Yeah, he was no. just here. He heard we were going to call him out and he ran. He He's ran having away. A birthday <laughs> pee. Can't blame him for that. I would run too. It's good appetizers. You guys are doing great in the kitchen. Yeah. Let's awesome hear it for food. the kitchen. So anyway, we're really, really happy that we could celebrate our 20th anniversary here at Code Palooza. Yeah. 20th anniversary. Your 20th anniversary. Right? I'm the new guy. Yeah, that's right. Richard's yeah. the new guy. Yeah. We, I, only, uh, I only came on at show 100. Anybody like, listen to the first 100 episodes? Oh, yeah. Well, Chad has for sure. There's a couple of folks out there. So, yeah. Well, so I, I started this in 2002 before the word podcast existed, before there were even RSS feeds, let alone enclosures. Uh, before there was podcasts, and I called it an internet audio talk show for .NET developers. And the idea was that I loved NPR, you know, public radio, talk radio, and the edutainment shows like Car Talk that were more laughing than than and and uh, info, you know, information. But I wanted to do something like that for .NET. .NET was brand new; it was new to me. I wanted a, uh, an opportunity to learn about it, and it seemed like a good idea. So we recorded. Uh, conversations, made MP3 files and made them available on my website. And that just, you know, snowballed into uh, a crazy, crazy thing. And as Richard said, he came on as the third co-host on episode 100. The first one, anybody know the first co-host name? No, Rory was number two. Do you know, remember the first one? Mark Dunn. Mark Dunn, yeah. Southern gentleman out of Alpharetta. And you two both had training companies at the time. Yeah. Well, he actually, yes, I had a training company and he started one and he left, he stopped doing the podcast because he wanted to focus on the training, training. company. So yeah. he did 50 episodes. Yeah. Wow. And then Rory came on board. Yeah. And I was a guest on the show while Rory was the co-host. Although the show was different then. It was long. Yeah. <laughs> That's what it was. It was kind of long. Yeah. It was two hours, two and a half hours of music, comedy, all kinds of crazy things. Well, but, but after we did that show together in Montreal, yeah, we didn't actually, we met in Montreal. We met in Montreal. And I did the show remote back at home. Yeah. And then you and I, I guess we kind of clicked. Yeah, we did. And uh, I quickly realized that uh, Richard would bring the class level of our, uh, of our crazy podcast up a few notches. Not only that, but I, I don't know if any of you ever got to spend one-on-one time with Richard. He's kind of really fucking smart. <laughs> and uh, so so he did, he was a natural, he already was doing um, work for conferences and culling information and finding topics and, you know, getting getting speakers together. So, so it was a natural fit for him. Um, that's about, I think, all I want to say before we start, except that when we do these live shows... We, I usually say something like, uh, Hey, Louisville! It's .NET Rocks! Yeah! Well, here we are. We're at uh, our 20th anniversary party. Congratulations, friend. In Louisville, thank you very much. Amazing, amazing thing. Yep. So we're, uh, we're here to celebrate 20 years of .NET Rocks, but also... To talk to Doc Norton, our guest. But we got to do a proper opening. We have to do a proper opening, and that always starts with the crazy music. Roll it for Better No Framework. <laughs> 
Yes. All right, buddy. What do you got? Well, uh, this is a blog, not a blog post, but it's a code repo oh. that I created uh, last week for the .NET show, which is one of my new YouTube shows. And the focus right now is on Maui. Okay. And of course, Maui just released last week. And I've been waiting for this. Um, the .NET Conf focus on Maui included something that I've been waiting to dive into, which is the right way to do authentication oh, in a wow. Maui app. Yeah, no kidding. Because Xamarin Forms had this web communicator thing and you had to write your own service. But now Maui supports MSAL.net, the Microsoft authentication library. And the demo I thought was okay that they did, but it wasn't long enough. It didn't go into detail about how to set up Azure AD B2C to support uh, giving a, getting a token and then uh, creating an API that's secure and will take that token. So I did the research and I found out exactly how to do that. And there's a video uh, linked in the repo and all the code is there and step-by-step -step instructions with screenshots and arrows and all of that. So if you go to uh, 1808.pwop.me, that's the shortcut that'll bring you to my GitHub repo. Or you could just go to the .netshow.com and look for the latest episode. Awesome. Yeah. Nice. And so I'm really psyched because now I can actually build real Maui applications. It's, that all, it's also an interesting truth. It's like really Maui 1.0 just shipped. It really just yeah. shipped. Yeah. So it was supposed to be last November. Yeah. And then they talked about it in the spring. But now here, summer of 2022, right. they're hit 1.0. And I feel like now we have something yes, that we can some stuff to actually work use. Yeah. yeah. And your GitHub, you've got a lot of interesting stuff on your GitHub repo now. Thank it's you. Good yeah. stuff. Yeah. All right, so Richard, who's talking to us today? Well, considering the last time Doc was on the show was like 2014, yeah, I'm not going to read those comments. This is not fair. That's like eight <laughs> years ago. Well, it was a bunch. Like we made a good show back then, friend. I'm kind of embarrassed you haven't been on sooner. But knowing we're going to probably go down the agile path, I grabbed a comment off of show 1754, which is one we did on DDD with Steve Smith and Julie Lerman, and that's you know got a strong conversation around design and a, you know sort of agile practices of how we build software but we went down the ai path we talked about codex a fair bit okay and that sort of leads to a comment that i thought was relevant this is from matthew uh burley who said i was nodding enthusiastically during the codex discussion i've been saying for years that my job as a programmer is to turn requirements into intent what a program does and the implementation is just a detail. Uh, I'm looking forward to the day when an AI can take over most, if not all, of the implementation. And so bonus points for Julie Lerman mentioning temporal tables. I learned about them a few years ago, and they're awesome. We need to take a look at what support there is in any framework 6 and see what all has changed. And I thought Matthew's comment was really prescient because when we talk about Agile, we're really not talking about the technology, we're talking about how are we breaking down the need of the customer yeah. into the things they need to do. Yeah. yeah. And so the fact that we're getting better and better tools to accelerate that process is pretty awesome. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. So, Matthew, thank you so much for your comment and a copy of Views to Code by is on its way to you. And if you'd like it, what, Matt's here? Get so out of here. Out of pure, understand, this comment's from a year ago. And it happens to be that Matt Burley is here in the audience. Whoa. Wow. Wow. So, Matthew, let me say this right to you. Thank you so much for your comment. And a copy of Music to Code By is on its way to you. And if you'd like a copy of Music to Code By, write a comment on the website at .netrocks.com or on the Facebook, so we publish every show there. And if you comment there and I read it on the show, I'll send you a copy of Music to Code By. And definitely follow us on Twitter. I'm at Carl Franklin. He's at Rich Campbell. Send us a tweet. Or you could come to Louisville and deliver it in person there like Matt did. But you better get there quick. You better get here quick. <laughs> like two weeks ago, whatever it was. Hurry up. Okay, so uh, now comes the serious part of our show where we introduce... No? Not well, because Doc Norton is a very serious individual. This much I know for sure. Yeah. He is very serious, but he can also he can also laugh with the best of Oh, him. no, he's a funny man. All right, so let me introduce Doc. Uh, Michael Doc Norton is a software delivery professional working to make the world of software development a better place. His experience covers a wide range of development topics. Doc declares expertise in no single language or methodology, 
and is immediately suspicious of anyone who declares such expertise. Very fair. As, yep. as was illustrated by <laughs> yeah, that yeah, comment. Exactly right? what Matthew was talking about. A frequent and well-rated international speaker, Doc is passionate about helping others become better developers, working with teams to improve delivery, and building great organizations. In his role at OnBelay, that's O-N-B-E-L-A-Y, Doc is provided opportunities to realize his passion every day. His book, Escape Velocity, Better Metrics for Agile Teams, is available in bookstores worldwide. Welcome back, Mike. Well, thank you very much. Can I call you Mike? No, 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 not at all. I'll call you Call me Doc. (laughs) Welcome back, Doc. You know the funny part is that show we did in 2014 was about agile metrics. Like, clearly, you were already... Eight years ago, in that headspace of yeah. how we measure agile. Yeah, it, it's a. Uh, so I've been doing a bunch of blog posts about it. I had a a, a talk about it, and even the book mm-hmm. was. Um, I'm going to say it was an accident. <laughs> wow. So I'm trying to write this other book on uh, organizational systems and what leaders need to do to facilitate agility, and I'm blocked all of the time. Wow. I just cannot get this thing done. And I talked to a couple of folks that I know that are published authors, and one of them said, just write. Every day, just write. Don't worry about what it is. And I started that, and I got uh, hooked on kind of the metrics topic, and a book fell out. Right. And I was like, okay, this must have been the one I was supposed to write. So, yeah, yeah, I'm, and, you know, we talked about this before the show, but it's like I'm battling writing the history of .NET. Yes. And I've torn it apart and rewritten it now a couple of times. <laughs> and I'm waiting for that right book to fall out. It hasn't happened for me yet. Yeah, yeah. But I, I'm not, I'm not done with the fight. Uh, you should wear steel-toed boots <laughs> when that thing falls out. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's going to be a big old clunk when be, it lands. Yeah. yeah, no question. Yeah, trying to get the narrative right. I mean, I love that idea that you know, I just write every day. Like, the words that matter the most will surface. Yeah. And believe me, it required plenty of copy editing to be turned into something people could read. I'm sure but... a lot of the stuff you wrote had to be redone. Right? <laughs> yeah. That's inevitable. But nobody focuses on metrics. Like, that's not the logical thing. But it, and as soon as you say it, it makes sense to me. Like, that we can't, that we measure is the only thing we can improve. Yep. Yep. I'm yeah. supposed to make fun of Agile here, you know. Yeah, I mean, well, we, were, we can do that. Oh, yeah, we'll get there. Yeah. yeah. Is, is Agile done? Is it just development now? So, uh, it always was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's, there were just fewer believers. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, you know, it, it's, it's interesting. When you look at the Agile space today, um, there's more conversations, I think, going on about uh, Agile applied to other industries, Agile applied to just business in general. Um, and we're not talking nearly as much about agility in software. Right. Um, and that's fine. I feel like DevOps has kind of stepped into that space in some way. Mm-hmm. And people are like, oh, Agile didn't work for us. We gave it up and started DevOps. Hmm. Isn't, and, yeah, isn't uh, DevOps just Agile applied beyond the developer across yes. the entire organization? Yeah. So at one point we were like, hey, look, the, uh, you know, the, the BAPO should probably be a part of the team. And now yeah. we're going, oh, wait, that's the intake. Maybe we should also include the folks that actually make sure it gets out there, and that's yeah. DevOps. Like, what about those security guys? Shouldn't they have a review? It, sure, DevSecOps. Yeah, yeah. Let's yeah. just keep adding other roles into yeah. it. But it's like, hey, everybody that's involved in delivering success to the customer, shouldn't they be involved? Shouldn't they be involved? Even the customer? <laughs> right, right. Yes. So we just given new labels to the same practice. Well, which is fine, because the, because the old label, uh, you know, so I look at the tech debt metaphor. Right, mm-hmm. and when that originated, what Ward meant very specifically was he was describing to a customer why they were refactoring code. Right. What the customer didn't understand is why you're going in and changing code that you've already written. Yeah. And Ward said, "Well, you know, it's kind of like we have debt. Now, this is a financial institution. Right. Right. So he was talking very specifically about good coding practices." that resulted in a gap between what we delivered and what we now know we need and how do we reconcile that gap. Right, yeah. But he was using banking terms while he did it. Yes, because that's that was his customer. Right. Now, we as an industry then took that term and said, well, I know what debt is, and we kept glomming more and more stuff into it until it doesn't really mean what it originally no. intended. And I feel like Agile has taken that same path sure. to yeah. the point where now when you look at the, look at the field it's about 
certifications. It's about frameworks. It's about following a best practice to the get business, something the done. The business of agile, right? Not the practice yeah. of agile. And so, if those if those practices have now made their way under some other banner, that's fine by me. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Because and ultimately, those things all became dogma anyway. Right. Like you, you, the idea that you would get certified now, I do it right, not actually <laughs> change my thinking. Like yeah. that's that always frustrates me. Yeah. Right. That yeah. We're using certification as a way to avoid thinking. Yep. Yeah, yeah. And today it's just a you know what's the phrase the agile industrial complex. <laughs> yes. You know it, it's it's not about what it was once about, and that's okay. Yeah. You know we'll we'll still apply those principles. We'll still use those practices. Give them a different moniker. That's fine. Yeah. Whether or not you have the certification is secondary to the point. Absolutely. Are you approaching a way to provide customer value yeah. that is reliable? Yeah. How can you? How does a developer tell the difference between what's a good agile practice and what's just style or preference? Oh man, I don't know. Um, you know, so there are some practices that are, are like commonplace when you look at agility and they, almost all of them come from XP, right? So we talk about like TDD, extreme we talk about, yeah, extreme programming. So we talk right. about uh, test-driven development, so TDD. We talk about pairing these days, yep. uh, mobbing or ensemble work, right. but, you know, working together. Mob coding, yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, refactoring, refactoring to patterns. Those are all kinds of things that kind of sort of came from that yeah. space. I don't think that we need to, uh, like, if you're not pairing, you're not being agile. Yeah. That, that's dogma. Right. Totally agree. If you're not, uh, you know, if you're not, um, now these days, if you're not working in ensemble, it's not agile. Like, right. no. What are, you know, what are the outcomes that you're trying to achieve? Yes. Right. And then there are, any number of practices that actually uh, fall into that. XP just happened to be, they said, hey, we did these things. They worked for us. They might work for you. Yeah. I don't think their intention ever was, you know, from henceforth thou shalt, yeah. right? That wasn't, that wasn't the intention. No, so, no. Uh, in my time at uh, Groupon, one of the things that we did was a lot of teams were different, right? Um, and so we said, all right, let's just set a guideline. And that guideline is three people need to see the code before it goes to production. Yeah. Right. How they see it, secondary to the point. Secondary to the point. You yeah. want to do formal code reviews? Do them. You want right. to do pairing with, you know, uh, pull requests? Fine. Yeah. You want to mob? Fine. Yeah. Right? It, it is that we need, we want that checks and balance. That's I'm, it. I mean, the only way I know for sure it's not dogma is when people are willing to do a retrospective and challenge everything they did in the past sprint. Yeah. And say, did we do this the right way? What would we change? What would we change? Like when pe folks are willing to look and scrutinize the process that got us through this milestone, and question how we could improve it, then I'm pretty sure you're not dogmatic. Right. Because you're not defending a practice. Yeah. You're measuring the outcomes and deciding, could we do it better? Right. Yeah. Well, and this gets us back to the certification thing. Right. Right. So the number of CSX certifications that exist today, so, uh, or a SC, whatever, there, yeah. there's different ones, right? So it depends on where you, which, which organization you got it from. But if you're a you know a certified scrum master or right. if you're a certified PO, uh, a lot of those folks um, are looking at teams and saying, no 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 yeah you have to do these exact things yes if you don't these do these exact things then you're not being agile, um, including stuff that comes out of retros when the team says we'd like to actually change this practice we'd like to try something different we want to do standups via Slack right absolutely not. We want to do them three days a week. Absolutely not. It's not very Ooh. flexible, is it? No. No, and that's you, sort of a sign. It's, this is not agile. Right. Right. Agile would be interested in trying all of those variants and testing them. Yeah. And looking back and saying, well, did this improve a practice or not? Yeah. Yeah. I, uh, so, you know, I, at this point, mobbing is, you know, uh, well known, well mm -hmm. enough that we've given it another name because mobbing offends people, which right, right. I totally Just understand. Just like XP right? upset people. Too, yes. Right? Yeah. Like sometimes we have terms that make people uncomfortable. Yeah, but there was a t there was a time period when you know uh, so Woody Zool I wouldn't say he's the inventor of it right but he's certainly someone who really brought it into the he floor. Lit it. We did two yeah. shows with him on it. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. was enthusiastic about it. S yes, very much so, did. and did a did a great job of really like getting the word out there, mm -hmm. you know, and letting people know the environment that he was in. If they hadn't let him play around with that and figure Never out how does chance. this work, it wouldn't have had a chance. Yeah. Well, because if you have an external manager who looks at a mob doing its thing, it looks insanely inefficient. Right. You have four people 
right. looking at one screen of code. Yeah. Are you crazy? Well, what are you yeah. optimizing for? Yeah. You know, if we're if what we're optimizing for is straight throughput. Yeah, maximum lines of code. Yep. Let's not worry about uh you know As long as you don't want that code to work, you're fine. <laughs> you're fine. Yeah. Let's not let's not worry about integrations later. Let's not worry about shared knowledge. Let's not worry about increased learning. Let's not worry about any of these things that if we actually no. you know got the biggest benefits, thing that hit me every time I watched yeah. a mob in action was the number of times the guy in the corner said, Oh, I found a library, stop writing. Yeah. Like it exists. Right. It took a little while to dig down, but I think we can adapt this in less time than we can write it. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And that that is always like the third or fourth person in the group that has the cycles to search. Yeah. On top of coding, exploring the idea and defining it better and building out a test and, you know, all of the stuff that typically starts in the mob. Well, yeah. you have these personas, don't you? You have like the purists who says we're not going to use any third party tools. We're going to write everything ourselves. We're going to do raw CSS. We're going to write. And then you have, you know, the, the people who just like to hack around and play yeah. and uh, come up with something. And yeah, there's a clash of cultures there. There is. There is. I, so I think the, the not written here is, uh, you know, a, a pretty significant problem in a sure. lot of places. You know, going, in, going into an organization who's like, hey, we're having a lot of problems and, and you know, the, the architecture is, you know, is falling to its knees. We can't figure it out. I'm like, well, you know, it, it could be this totally homegrown custom messaging system yeah. that you've Did stuck you really in the write, need here. to write your own messaging broker? <laughs> really? Yeah. I wrote my own you, database. What, you mean you didn't write your own garbage collector while you were at it? <laughs> right. Come on. Yeah. But there are solved problems. Yeah. Very solved problems. Yeah. And, and it just seems terrible to waste your cycles on that. Agreed. I think that's a great conversational point when we talk talking about what are the tool sets we want to use, right? Like, that it's that can be a fun, respectful conversation amongst the teams. Like, what messaging engine deal? You know, we we make it, it's apparent we're going to want messaging. What ones do you guys like? Right, right. And we, we we talk about them, what we've done with them, and like sort of get through that conversation before we commit to one. Yeah, yeah. It's there's there's a balance in there in sure. larger organizations, especially, but I think anywhere, right? So one of the challenges at I'm gonna, I'm going to keep going back to it just because it's uh you know a target rich environment. Uh, one of the challenges at Groupon uh, when I got there was that the tech stack was so diversified. Right. And some of the services were so specialized yeah. that the five people on that team knew how to maintain it. Not not just because of the way their code was written, but because nobody else was using Clojure. Yeah. Mm. You know? And there there is a place for the enterprise architect that says, yes. hey, guys, I get that you like going down this path. This product's sufficiently similar, and it, I'm going to let you take vacations if you use this because I have somebody else to maintain it. For. Right. Right. Yeah. So, this, yeah, there's always that kind of that, that balance in there. Figuring and that, and out. I always like those conversations amongst the team. It's like, if you're going to advocate that product, that means you're going to support the rest of the team learning to use it, too. Yep. Be up for that? Yeah. Right? Like, because if you're not... Like, think clearly about what you're saying. Part of deciding on a stack is how are we going to learn it? Where do we get our support from? Like, all of those are part of being successful. Yeah. Yeah. But that's still a, early going in a project, right? Still, you know, dealing with stacks. Or, I, and actually, I love that conversation of have we made a mistake? Yeah. You know, three mo months and four sprints into this, five sprints into this. Guys, I'm really struggling with this message stack. Right. Like, am I the only one? Yeah. And and just being open to that retrospective conversation that says this p this library that we brought in is creating a more pain than I think the value is worth. I think often you know that it's going to be painful, but it's convenient at the time, and there's you're willing to take on the technical debt later, and so that you have to be even more careful about how you architect it, so you don't couple yourself to it. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. But you know, there's great gaming cost there, too. It's like we used the free stack because it was free and we thought it was easy. Now we know it's hard. And maybe the amount of additional energy we're pouring into this free stack is more expensive than buying the paid Than just paying the license, right. Yeah. yeah. Pay the license, and actually just having it Knowing somebody thing. else is supporting the code. Yeah. Knowing we have real support around it. Yeah. And retooling to that. That's. You know, but we're talking about some pretty functional teams at that point to have those conversations. There's a lot of places where nobody's willing to call out the elephants. True. Yeah. Yeah. 
Absolutely true. Uh, one of the things that we talk about quite a bit in the agile space right now, when it comes to teams and being able to speak up. Sure. Uh, and we look at like what Joshua Kurievsky is doing with, with, uh, modern agile, um, and really kind of across the whole space. Uh, a key topic is psychological safety. Right. Um, and we can look back at the work of, of Amy, Amy Edmondson. We can look at the work the, that happened at, at Google with Project Aristotle. Right. Um, and in, in both of those works, um, one of the things they, that they discovered was, uh, so Aristotle's a, a, a great look at it. They looked at uh, teams all across Google and said, okay, what makes for a high-performing team? And the, the original premise was, uh, it's going to be teams that have really senior, highly skilled individuals on them. That's an easy out, right? right? If I have senior enough people, like they'll always speak out, right? They'll they'll be great. Yeah. Well, they, you know, of course, they're gathering tons of data and they're really good at at large data set analysis. Yeah. Um, and what they what they came down to was they realized that like, nope, all these things that we thought it was going to be, they're not it. Huh. What's important? What's important for a high functioning team? is that everyone on the team feels comfortable being vulnerable, right? saying, I don't know, and speaking up, saying, I don't agree. Yeah. So they're not afraid. To pr- they, they're not protecting their egos. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. yep. And when you have that, when you have high psychological safety, you get a high-performing team. Well, when you have high psychological safety, you also have fruitful retrospectives, Sure. That actually lead to action. Because you have to talk about problems yeah. to have a fruitful yeah. retrospective. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter how senior you are. Even a senior person will get defensive. Right. Right. Yeah. In fact, they often found that, that you know, they, they found that a lot of the, the teams that were composed of primarily senior individuals, uh, had more kind of interpersonal dysfunction. Right. Than, than they teams got more to were, defend. Yeah. Uh. And so once they get into that negative space, it's going to get worse, yeah. not better. Yeah. And, and that the notion that, 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 that something about the way that we interact with one another mm-hmm. ultimately correlates to the quality of the code and our ability to, uh, deliver, you know, sooner, right. better, safer, right? Is, you know, uh, well, that vulnerability is a great part because so often the thing you're struggling with Somebody else knows the answer to that. Yep. But you have to present your vulnerability to get that help. Yeah. yeah. So you're either going to pound your way through it and likely make an inferior s- solution, or several weeks before that, you're like, I'm really struggling with this. Yeah. And somebody goes, oh, I've done that before. Let me help. Right. And in you go. Yeah. Yeah. When I'm, when I'm uh, working in organizations uh, coaching, a lot of times I try to model that kind of thing. Where a team will come to me and say, well, you know, here's a situation. What should we do? And my response oftentimes is, gee, I, you know, I actually, I'm not sure. Right. I don't, I don't know, given your context. Right. What do you guys think we should do? And I'll help them through that conversation. Right. But, you know, they know. Inevitably. Maybe no one individual knows, but together. Yeah. They know. The composite knows. Yeah. And so it's just about helping them get through that conversation. But my my starting with you open with the rare vulnerability, right? Right. You know, yeah. I'm the hired expert, and my first response is, yeah. I don't know. That's a good one. Yeah. Not enough information yet. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Let's dig into it further. Yeah. And I'm going to interrupt for one moment. This very important message. Hey, Richard. Hi, buddy. You know, Raygun is our sponsor right now, and. Uh, just so happens that we have J.D. Trask from Raygun right here with us for the next few seconds. Hey, J.D. Hey, guys. How you going? We're great. We're, we're really good. Uh, but I have a question. It must be on everybody's mind. Why would I use Raygun over, say, App Insights, which is, you know, built into Azure? Yeah, well, firstly, I mean, I'd start by saying it, it's more important that you use something. You know, as a consumer of software, I want everybody to use something. For sure. Yeah. At the end of the day, App Insights, it's a good product. You know, it's part of the Azure offering. Not everybody uses Azure. And also a lot of those cloud tools, you know, they're good. They're not necessarily great. And what Mm. we're trying to build, you know, we are 100% focused on Raygun and what it is we're building here. And so you just naturally get a tendency towards a higher quality product, Um, you know. And so for customers where they need a little bit extra, maybe it's more detail, more insights, the ability to connect customers to the code issues, those sorts of things, they'll come to Raygun. But like I say, it's great just to start with something. Yeah. What I like about Raygun is just what you said, if I want to find something quickly, I don't have to go through screens and filters and, 
you know, is that what I'm looking for? Is that what I'm looking for? Yeah. So I appreciate it. And uh, I hope you do too, listener. Go to raygun.com for more information. And we're back. It's .NET Rocks. It's the 20th anniversary issue. That's right. And we are talking a bit of Doc Norton. And I'm Richard Campbell. That's Carl Franklin. Hey, hey, hey. And I went to make fun of Agile here, but I'm having too much fun actually <laughs> talking about building great teams, you know? And that what those, there's a consistent pattern to this. This is Dostoevsky, right? Yeah. Every dysfunctional family is different. Every functional family is the same. Yep. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, so if we were going to make fun of Agile, what might we dive into? Uh, I know I a mean, few people I'd like to make fun of, <laughs> yeah. but I won't go there. Where's, where's the sweet spots? You've also, you just pressed against it, is that it has turned into a dogmatic engine because that engine is profitable. Oh, very profitable. Yeah. And, yeah. A, and a big machine. And I've, I've had the opportunity to talk to folks that were involved in the Agile movement early on, didn't jump on one of those profitable engines and became rather resentful, too. You know, I have a story that will not only apply to Agile, but will also apply to 20 years of .NET Rocks. Uh, okay. Somebody just asked us at dinner the other night, are there any shows that you, you know, you've, you've never published? And I said, well, yeah, I've got one. There was a guy, I don't even remember his name, but he was a speaker at a conference in Europe. Okay. And we were... Kind of like this, you know, we were on a little stage and there was a few people out front, not a whole lot, but he was talking about Agile. And, and everything's wrong with Agile. And er yeah, everything that's wrong with Agile. And not only that, what's wrong with people doing Agile? Like it was, it was really attacking the people. Okay. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I ask questions, especially when I don't know the answers. I'm not, I'm not quizzing anyone. I'm right. asking from a, curiosity right and every answer he gave me was more and more hostile to me <laughs> yeah well you're not asking that's the, the wrong right question, question. Yeah. and i would say what is the right question and he said something like well if you don't know you're stupid or something like that you know right. i was so angry with this guy i asked richard richard's never seen me not, lose my it's school. not normal for, for my friend Carl Franklin, you put down the microphone and walk away. I was and literally genuinely like, because I thought yeah. he's going to punch him. Yeah. Like he is that angry, and it, he is not that easy to get that angry. I'm actually the angry one. <laughs> this guy, he had aggravated him to the nth degree, and then literally he walked away. It's like, yeah. well, this isn't going to be a show now. Thanks very much for your time. This right. guy could have pissed off the Dalai Lama. Yeah. Uh, you ever met people like that? Yeah. Like, you know, yeah. you can't get a straight answer out of them, and they'll always attack you for asking the question. Yeah. What oh, is that? Oh, that's a shame. So yeah. this, is, this wasn't one of the, uh, like, manifesto authors. No, not one okay. of the original. No, 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 no. I mean, I've met most of those manifesto authors now, and they're varying degrees of weird. Sure. But they're generally speaking decent humans. Yeah. You know? That they were there for a reason. They really were trying to find it. Yeah. Some of them turned it into a business, and some of them didn't. Right. That's a separate issue from we need to make software better. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. No, agreed. Agreed. Uh, yeah. Uh, no, that was not this guy. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and honest to God, I mean, I could probably figure out the name. It's in my notes somewhere. I am not going to. No, no. There's no reason. There's no reason to go there. Yeah, yeah no, it's fine. Needless yeah. to say, that was one of the shows that did not did not publish. Yeah. 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 yeah, the vast majority of the shows we've ever recorded, we published. Yeah, some Never of them had have a had problem. Some of them had technical failures. That's not that common. Yeah, none of these things are. These are all one percent cases. There have been shows where it's like we cannot publish this. This is incorrect. Well, that has happened. To that has happened. Okay, and it's like, and I know it's incorrect, and and you're not willing to admit you're incorrect, so I have nowhere to go. Right. I, yeah, I can't put this out there. Yeah, because yeah. I, I'm literally reading the documentation of what you're saying is incorrect. But we're we're coming, we're brushing up against egos again, right? Yeah, right. It, it's been a staple going back to the earliest .NET rocks. Kill your ego. Yeah, you know, if you want to be a good developer, check your ego at the door. Yeah, no, nobody's going to send you home crying. You're a big person. You know, you can pull up your pants. Yep, and just deal with the tech. So yeah, it's not you. It's not you. Nobody's attacking you. If you're wrong, admit it and move on. There's and a, ask how you can fix it. Yeah, there's a there's a phrase. Um, 
starting with an empty cup. Yeah. Right? And just the idea of, you know, it, it doesn't matter how much you think you know. Yeah. You know, come in with the notion that you have plenty that you can learn. Yeah. Yeah. And it's be very, curious. It's and, very Buddhist of you, right? Yeah. It's yeah, like to very, come in with that empty cup mindset. It's like I'm here to be filled, not to fill. Right. Right. Yeah. And as a it's it's weird for me, it just having the last few years my role has been primarily going to organizations and coaching. Uh it's it's odd uh for me sometimes because the folks that I'm working with expect me to have the answers. But that's always the consultant's role. Right. Yeah. You have an easy button. Right. Yeah. You know this, right? Yeah. And I and I would argue that as a, the one advantage you have as a consultant is you've seen more problems. Okay. Right? Fair enough. Like this yep. one the one thing I've always been comfortable saying is like, that's okay. That's normal. Right? Because right. I have a pretty good sense of normal. I've looked across a pretty broad landscape of dysfunction. Yep. And many of these dysfunctions are pretty normal. Yeah. So, I think it's the biggest service you can give to someone. It's like it's it's okay. Yeah, yeah. Being able, letting them know that what you're facing right now, I've seen. Yeah, lots you know, of people face lots it. Lots of people face and, this. And you can do this. You can get through yeah. this. Like there is a yeah. positivity to that. Yeah. Right. But that's the whole thing. Is that often folks you working inside of one company, you're only going to do so many projects, and typically the problems you're facing are unique to each of those projects. You don't have the broader view. That the dilettantes that we are dancing from project to project get to see. Right. And so the service we can bring to them is, hey, don't worry. Everybody's got baggage. Yep. Everyone's right? gone through this. It's, it's just okay. a question of do you know where yours is and do you have a plan for it? That's yeah. all. Yeah. Nobody has no baggage. Yeah. yeah. I think under most circumstances, uh, Comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. Right. Comparison is the, the thief of joy. The thief yeah. of joy. Wow. Right. So so yeah. if if I'm spending my life comparing myself to my neighbor, right. you know, oh, they got a newer car. Right. Oh, their right. hedges look so much nicer than mine. You know, their two point five children are more handsome than mine. Right. You know, <laughs> that you know. Although my half child is pretty handsome. <laughs> it's pretty handsome. <laughs> Yeah, it's the it's the, high, it's the upper half. It's, it's, yeah. it's always good. Yeah. <laughs> Get the lower half. What are you going to do? Um, but there are circumstances under which comparison can be really reassuring. Sure, you know, I'm in pain. Uh, I don't know how to get out of this. It's okay. Lots of folks have been in that pain. Yeah, there and is they've a way made forward. it through. Let's work on. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And knowing and that sense of knowing what normal is, and and then also being able to call out when it is anomalous. Yeah. That's like, okay, that is unusual. Yeah. Right? And then those typically like hardware problems, right? It's like, what our performance are you getting out of the drive? Yeah, that's way too low. Yeah. Something strange is here. <laughs> like, I know what normal performance on this rig should be. That's not normal. That's not it. Let's go deal with that. Yeah. Right? yeah. And yeah. I do think you occasionally run into some remarkable dysfunctions where you're like, okay. Yeah. No, you, you shouldn't be having quite this many problems. Let's go dig in. Yeah. Yeah, uh, a lot of orgs these days, dysfunction is around uh, hierarchy and control. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, you you see a lot of these large scale agile transformations. Interesting. Where what what's happening is is they're saying, hey, can you come in and can you make these teams be better? Nice. Have you got that squirt bottle with the agile? <laughs> right. Can you spray it on those guys? Yeah. Just squirt it all over the place. All over them. Just well, make please. sure they're good and doused in it. Yeah. It's an oldie but a goodie. Yeah. Soak them in the agile spray. Yeah. <laughs> and and uh, you know, not not recognizing that like this whole thing's a system. Yes. Yeah. If it, you see dysfunction over there, yeah. guaranteed it's over here. These too. these folks can sprint, they can retrospect, yeah. they can, you know, they can daily stand, they can do all the stuff. Yeah. But if they're still in an environment where funding is done annually on a project basis and everyone is accountable for the delivery of that project come hell or high water because yeah. you won't get your funding no next year. And blah, blah, blah. Like it, you can only do so much. It's, oh, a, no. it's a local optimization. Now yeah. we're just delivering the wrong thing faster. Yeah, you, yeah, you, yeah. Bound, you bound your bonuses to code shipped? Really? Right. Okay. N none of that says it works. Yeah. Like, gee, you know, you built a bad system and you expect people to behave well within it. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, uh, that, I mean that's an easy mistake to be made. 
And it and it is the worst job in consulting. I need you. I'm hiring you to go tell those people to do what I want. Right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's like ah, yeah. yeah. If that was going to work, it would have by now. It would have by now. Well, those are the spaces where the large scaled agile framework stuff sells. Yeah. Right. Because you're using they, they, the dogma as a weapon. Yeah. They mm-hmm. they want some kind of a, a formula, a specific format. If we follow these processes, all of a sudden everything's going to be fine, yeah. even though we've done nothing to enable the culture. There's still no psychological safety. Yeah. Right. But oh, no. They're never going to be safe. Right. They're just going to do what I They're want. They're just going to do what I want. <laughs> yeah. You know, psychological safety, the opposite of that is what? Job insecurity, maybe? Yeah. Uh, I, I, living under threat. Yes. Yeah. Living under threat. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. It, which the, means every move starts with covering your butt. Right. That's no, just no, no way to work. You want to, yeah, you want to drive documentation, make it the only way to stop you from being fired. Right. Right. It's like, well, there's no way any of these projects are going to succeed, but I can stop from being fired if I document that it's your fault we didn't succeed. Yes. Right. So, jolly enough, the documentation will flow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That becomes my safety net. Yeah. 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 We, we will construct our safety net at the impediment of everything. Yeah. One way or the other, unless you make us safe in the first place, so we can do other things. Yeah, and that—that's a hard nut to crack. And all—all all of my best stories of consulting have come down to actually the guy who hired me is the problem, and now I have to deal with him. Yeah, that's I have the to worst. find a way. Yes, right. That's like the worst. Where we excel in this funny role is that moment where you're like, ah, the guy who writes my check is actually the problem. How am I going to do this? Yep. <laughs> yep. <laughs> but every time I've pulled that off, that's an epic story. Yes. Right? Like, that's the fun one. But yeah. I'm, I'm used to, on a Monday morning, looking around the room, it's like, like, who needs to die here? Like, somebody needs to die. <laughs> I'm just trying to figure out who it is. Like, oh, damn, it's the guy at the front it, of the table. Yeah, it turns out the guy's signing my yeah, check. that guy. Yeah. All right. You must have had some cringe-worthy moments like that in your travels maybe you could erase the names to make it uh, more palatable uh okay so i'm i'm working with a large organization and i've been working with some of the teams and now uh, i'm starting to coach at more of the executive level right so like a not a c level quite yet but like an evp yeah right director of technology yeah and this this particular individual uh has has bought in to the agile because some other division of the company did it outperformed him and outperformed him. Right. So, so now we need to do this. So it's, it's basically my first meeting with him and I'm just asking some open-ended questions. Tell me a little bit about, you know, your journey so far and what's the experience been like for you. And right out of the gate, he says, well, you know, uh, I know we need to do this. And I've told everyone we need to do this. And it's taken a couple of months, but we've broken the backs of the resistors. Jesus. What? <laughs> he said that out loud. Yeah. And right away, I was just like, oh. I don't, this is going to be a long road, buddy. Wow. This is oh, going to be a long road. Yeah. yeah. Boy, wow. oh boy. Yeah. So you've built a resistance, have you? <laughs> <laughs> And it's apparently not. <laughs> and you don't know you have. Yeah. Excellent. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So Broken the backs. Broken the backs of the resistors. Beatings will continue until Agile exists. <laughs> yep. yep. And, then, and then everyone, at least I'll be happy. I don't know about you all. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not, not important. Yeah, not important. My bonus will come. Listen, I'm perfectly happy to dance on the blood of my, of my <laughs> of the bones I've vanquished. But, you know, yeah. just tell me who we have to kill. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that was one where I, yeah, I was, I was like, all right, maybe I'm not the right guy for this. <laughs> did you actually walk? No, no, I, I did stay. Um, and but it is a powerful force. It's like I'm still trying to figure out if I can actually help you or not. Right, like that's a frightening moment for them. Yep. Yeah, it's like I'm trying to figure out if I can help you. Yeah, which just that subtle implication of you may be too far gone to save. Yeah, uh, yeah, but you know that's such a confident thing to say, right? To say like. One of the answers here is I go. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like that, that's how that's how serious the situation is. Yep. I'm trying to get people to take this. That this circumstances are serious. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the advantage I had there, or at least uh, what I was able to leverage there, um, was 
just as uh, he had decided to do the Agile because one of his peers had done it and was outperforming him, right? Um, he was heavily influenced by his peers, right? Uh, and there was enough traction there that by getting them to come together and have conversations about what's working and what's not working and, and why is that working for you and not over here, you know, there were, there were like, there were aha moments for him right. that were safe enough, you know. No, uh, you're asking the guy who was successful to be vulnerable to him. Like, if you can get that language to come out, right. like, yeah. hey, you know what, in order to be this successful, I had to have my butt handed to me, yeah. like, that's a useful moment. Yeah. But, but. One of the reasons that that individual was successful was because they had the ability to be vulnerable yes. when they needed Inside to be. Inside of their own organization. Yeah. Yeah. And that um, just sort of opens the door to, if you can't go here, you don't get what I've done. Right. 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 Yeah. So, yeah, I like what, that you went there. Like, it's it's always that dance of how do I get this person to move, right? Yeah. The culture is top down. Yep. And how am I going to change the culture here? Yeah. I think a lot of the other stuff that's cringeworthy is more like... uh it's more in the middle, um, and it's not. It's not anyone's fault, right? Like, uh, my responsibility is to be able to report to upper management how all of these teams are doing. So, in order to do that, I have to gather data. In order to gather that data, I have to have some kind of a tool, and that tool needs to be standardized. Right. And so, with all good intentions, I make edicts that. Everyone has to use this tool in this way all of the time. Yeah. And now I can do my reporting. Having no idea. So like the most perverse version of Conway's law. Wow. Right. It's like, because we need to measure these things this way so I can do my reporting, <laughs> I will transform the entire product right. to fit that measurement. Value be damned. Yep. The important part is that I can do my measurement. Yep. Yep. And if, you know, this team's got high failure demand. Uh, because it's a legacy system, uh, you know, that they inherited. Yeah. I don't care. Keep sprinting. And you're <laughs> failing your sprints because you keep having to do these defect fixes. But there's no consequence Shame to on me you. failing my sprint. Oh, God. Right. Look what just showed up the, the cake table. Check arrived. it out. Yeah. 20th anniversary .NET Rocks cake. Awesome. Nice. Thank you. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Like, Is this their way of telling us to get off the Yeah, stage? it's almost time to Fit. wrap up. Might be. <laughs> Might be. <laughs> talk it's always fun to talk to you and yeah. it, and, it, and we, we have dug into that consulting side but i i do think there's an interesting conversation to have here about there are folks inside of organizations can do a lot of what a consulting can do mm. just by asking those questions and playing the, and looking at from that perspective you know managing up is a thing right speaking the language of your leader helps yep knowing what they actually value matters yeah you find out that your division lead you know it is competitive with another division lead like suddenly you can add language to help them right and and get results that matter sometimes it's useful to have an outside person just because we can get away with stuff that the inside person can't get away with yeah but i'm always the number of times i've been able to coach an internal fo person to just use this person's language Speak the way they speak. Worry about the things that matter to them and and suddenly realize, like, you have an awful lot of control. You can really help them be successful and be and be successful for yourself at the same time. One of my uh, – it's interesting. Not everyone, not everyone likes it. One of my favorite phrases when it comes to kind of coaching and helping organizational change is meet them where they are yeah. Yeah. and lead them to a better place. Sure. Yeah. Right? So you, you've got to be able to understand uh, what are their concerns, what are their pain points, what's their perspective. Yeah. What and, keeps and, you awake at night? Yeah. And then right. and then meet them there. Yeah. You know? I mean, it's just like any other kind of interpersonal relationship. If people don't feel seen or heard, yeah. they can't see or hear you. Yeah, including yeah. your leaders. Right? Yes. The whole point is often that leadership role is a lonely role. And someone they feel like can trust that sees them, that helps a lot. Yep. Just giving air to that is yeah. a huge step. But then to say, hey, we're both on the same side of this problem. Let's see how we can move it forward and collaborate on it. Yeah. I, it's easy to fall back on the consultant. And it's okay. I pay, get well paid to be that person. Sure. But I can't be everywhere all the time. Like, you can help yourself on that. We have another uh, agile trope on .NET Rocks, which is, 
change your company or, or change, change your, your company. company. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Very true. And and it's interesting truth that many businesses are getting better, and the ones that aren't are having a tough time hiring these days. Yeah. Yeah. You yeah. Know, the byproduct of the pandemic has been a decreased tolerance to you know working in environments that are not healthy. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just gonna and that's that's gonna kill some businesses, but they probably deserve to die. You know, and the other ones that figure out we're at risk and change, so much the better. So two things that that made me think of, right? So change your company or change your company. Yeah. Um, a little more on the cynical side, uh, but a couple of things that that uh, I used to talk about quite a bit. Um, so, sorry, the 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 one is that as as kind of agilists going into organizations and helping them change, a lot of times what we ended up really doing long term was we were delivering despair through joy. Right. Yeah. Right. So what happens is like, my job's fine. I don't mind. I come in. I do my eight to five. I I crank out the code. I do the things. Whatever. Totally detached from the value totally. of the company. Yep. Then someone comes in and they show me this other way of working, and I'm like, this is amazing. Yeah. And I'm actually happier, and I like my job. Yeah. And then the coach or consultant leaves, and the organizational antibodies deploy. And my team ends up going back to the way that it was before. Right. And now I hate my job. Yeah. The same, you know the difference. The same job I used to have. Yeah, that you were fine with. So we're delivering despair through joy, which fundamentally means that at least at that time, organizations were paying us a lot of money to help their best people leave. Yeah. Also, wow. Unless you could actually <laughs> embrace that change. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. No, you're effectively creating an ultimatum. Yeah. It's like, if you do this, you have to stay with it or lose the ones that valued it the most. Right. Right. Yeah. And and I don't know they always get that. Yeah. <laughs> Sean is uh, yeah. pointing to himself. Just found a great new place to be for exactly that reason. Well, Doc. Doc. Thanks, man. Thank you. What a great show. Uh, oh, I am, I'm honored. I had, yeah. When you guys reached out, I didn't realize it was 20th anniversary. I... I got all a flutter when I realized what we were actually doing. So, and we're delighted you're part of it. Thanks yeah, so much thank for being you. here. And we'll see you next time on .NET Rocks. .NET Rocks is brought to you by Franklin's Net and produced by Plop Studios, a full-service audio, video, and post-production facility located physically in New London, Connecticut, and, of course, in the cloud. Online at pwop.com. Visit our website at dotnetrocks.com for RSS feeds, downloads, mobile apps, comments, and access to the full archives going back to show number one, recorded in September 2002. And make sure you check out our sponsors. They keep us in business. Now go write some code. See you next time. Got